the roundtable on Dog Post. It's uh, middle of January. Dean Leggy Fletcher Page after the Christmas break and New Year's break and the Rose Bowl and National Championship break. Georgia Fletcher falling on the final play of the game to Alabama, costing the Dogs their what would be their sixth recognized National Championship. Are we are we counting like that now? Is that how we get to count? Are we doing the Alabama count or are we doing the official? Yeah, I mean, if Alabama counts that way, I guess Georgia should. Um, yeah, they just, they narrowly lost the game. What happened? It's been a while since I've heard your voice. (laughs) You getting excited or aroused? Which is it? (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe we should do this podcast. (laughs) I mean, they played one of the most epic national championship games of all time uh, on the hills of Alabama's two previous most epic national championship games of all time. Games become more and more epic. Certainly, um, that that was. It, I, I won't be critical of anything in that game. Really, um, it was just two really good teams um, going at each other, and and one team had to win. I, I do think that it's pretty remarkable for all that Nick Saban uh, gets about being, you know, too maybe vanilla, or he just recruits the best players and rolls the ro- rolls the ball out there. You know, he's won championships now in two of the past three years by making, like, extremely gutsy calls. Uh, The onside kick against Clemson, I think, won them that game. And then putting in the backup Tua, I'm just going to call him by his first name. Uh, Those two calls won them two national championships. And it's it's pretty remarkable that that, that for, for all he gets about not being maybe not being so aggressive. I mean, that, that, that was aggressive to the max. I, you know, I thought that's what won it for him for sure. I mean, if they don't change quarterbacks, they get beat probably 20 to 3, 20 to nothing, something like that. I mean, Georgia was going to score that one more time, and they did. Um, Alabama had no answers. They changed <clears throat> They changed the quarterback. That made a major difference. And I think for me, um, I don't know the answer why we didn't see Sony more in the fourth quarter. I thought that there were a couple things here. I don't know why we didn't see Sony more in the fourth quarter. Number one, number two, I, I very rarely talk about this, but the officiating was really rough uh, against Georgia, or it didn't turn out Georgia's way. Several of those calls were obviously missed. Um, and then finally, uh, the, the the switch from Alabama at quarterback. I mean, if they don't make that change, they don't win the game. Um, other than that, I didn't think there was much to complain about in any way. I mean, for Georgia, you just can't win. You know, you cannot leave national championships on the table. And uh, I wouldn't. That's probably a very rough way of putting it. But you never know when you'll get back. I mean, if you're Ohio State, if you're well, Ohio State's probably not a very good example, but. If you're Clemson, if you're Ohio State, if you're Oklahoma, I mean, how many more times this decade are you going to get back? You don't know. And for Georgia, it's really not any different. I I agree, and I've written extensively about how good Georgia should be in the future, but should be doesn't guarantee results. And, um, you know, twice in the last five seasons, they've lost the national championship on the last play of the game to Alabama. Yeah, and that's certainly – once you get there, you might as well win it. Uh, but I did think that Georgia was ahead of schedule this season. Um, I know that that sounds maybe stupid now. Maybe they weren't ahead of schedule given that they made it that far. Um, but 
for them to uh, for them to get wins like they did against Tennessee and Florida and Georgia Tech, and for them to kind of get revenge against Auburn in the SEC championship game. Um, I mean, and to beat Notre Dame. I mean, it's a heck of a season, and uh, I certainly thought that Kirby Smart's best years uh, or best opportunity, first opportunity to win a national title, I thought was going to come in like maybe year four, maybe year yeah four, because you could see the way the recruiting was building up. So for them to get there in year two is quite remarkable. It is. I mean, if you want to, if you want to take a look and compare them to Alabama, everybody. I mean, clearly Alabama is the top program in the country. There's really not anybody that's. I mean, nobody's won it more than twice lately. So <clears throat> it's been them and nobody else. But if you want to look at the way that Alabama built it, um, they didn't win the national championship until Nick's third season right. in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and frankly, the similarities are, are, are there. I mean, the first season, a bit of a disaster, losing game, or a couple of games you shouldn't have lost, tight games all the way. Uh, the second year, losing to an SEC foe in what felt like a national championship game, number one versus two for Alabama, that came in the um, in the 2008 SEC championship game. Uh, and then they just took it from there. Now, what we don't know is what will happen for Georgia in 2009, or excuse me, 2018 and beyond. But – there's only three programs who have really recruited on elite, elite level, which are you know Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. So, um, with this class, Georgia's reeled in, um, and 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 perhaps with what's coming back. I mean, we're recording this on a Monday morning, where we don't yet know if Roquan Smith and DeAndre Baker and Jonathan Ledbetter are going to come back. My guess is Ledbetter will come back for sure. You know, on the other two, we're getting late in the day here, man. I mean, we're almost at lunchtime. And, uh, you know, daddy got to eat and I need to know what's going on with Roquan too. But none, nonetheless, Fletcher there, they are, they, they will win the East next year. They might have a loss in the regular season to at LSU, maybe to Auburn. You could always lose to the Gators. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe you can speak to this. We can put a, we can tie a knot on, on talking about the past, um, with this, it, you have to have immense talent, obviously, to win the um, national title. Um, but I feel like this team had immense character. Um, and you can speak more to this since you're closer to the team still. And that you have, when you have guys like Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle and Roquan Smith to lead you, I think that, that the things that you can do become, they can go from great to incredible or amazing. Um, so to see this team, I don't really believe in destiny. Obviously, destiny is not a real thing. I saw a bunch of, I saw a couple columns or two about how these dogs were destiny's team, which destiny, destiny is not a real thing, but it did feel like this team had some different kind of it factor just in terms of mental toughness or, uh, I don't know what you call it, the will to win. And so while we, while I do look at what Kirby's done with this, these recruiting classes, and he already has three of the top ten and twenty what nineteen assembled. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, there's always that. There's always things that you can't see, things you don't know about. What maybe it's locker room leadership or accountability in the weight room or on the practice field. And this team had that, and it's very like you said. You got you got to you got to get you got to win national championships when you have the opportunity. But it's because it's so hard to assemble a group that has that kind of special mentality that I feel like this team did. 
I don't, you know, I think what Clemson and Alabama have done the last three years, and you've talked to two of the years, I mean, Clemson, a lot of that was Deshaun and 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 uh, everything surrounding him and the, the Clemson defense, et cetera. You know, for Georgia, I think in Alabama and Ohio State, I mean, I see where Michigan keeps getting ranked higher and higher. I'm not so sure that they will make the impact. I have a lot of doubt about um Jim Harbaugh these days, I think within, you know, with, <laughs> with good reason. But, um, you know, for Georgia, I think if you sit there and you look at things, um, they will replace parts. But I, I think the era of superstars at Georgia is done. And I think that that means that Georgia will have teams and that teams will um, be the um, – the overriding way that they win games. Um, you know, they will lose several very good players off this team. I mean, Nick, Sony, and that's the top duo in terms of running back in, in NCAA history. Talking about the outside rushers, Dominique Sanders, you know, really hurt them on that last play of the game. But Dominique was a very good player at Georgia for a very long time. Um, made a lot of plays. So <clears throat> for the dogs, um, and, and you you want to be careful with this because, Fletcher, a lot of people do this all the time. They talk about how the team that's the runner-up um, has a bright future and all this stuff. But, uh, you know, it's so overdone. But the truth is that in George's case, they really do have a bright future, Um and I th- this it really does feel like this is going to be Alabama and Georgia fighting one another for at least for maybe a half a decade or something like that. I think the I think and and I don't say this lightly because he's got three children and that's really the most important thing. But I think the most important thing for Georgia fans to be concerned about is you know can Kirby Smart stay healthy for a long time because if he can. I don't see any way that this really changes. They, they, they will not always win the East, and they will not always get to the playoff. But we should see 10 years here of them being very successful and having multiple chances to win the national championship, um, no matter who the quarterback is and no matter who the star linebacker is. Yeah, you make a good – I just started thinking about this while you were talking, like, I can't really tell you who Alabama's best player was off this t- past team. I think it was Mika Fitzpatrick, but yeah, it is. It was. But, that's but a, he's but, not a. But super you're star. talking about pro potential, right? Just generally speaking, okay. I think he's their best player. But anyway, yeah, pro potential too, probably. What a, I mean, last year I guess it was the the lineman I voted for second in Heisman. Their names are all running together, Jonathan. Uh, they all run together, which is the point. That's the point. I mean, that's what. That's the point I was making. Is that. I can remember, you know, for Georgia, you could always remember sort of like Heinz Ward and Champ Bailey and David Pollock and, and A.J. Green and Matt Stafford and Sean Moreno. It seemed like you had one or two names that just dominated sort of the way you felt about the teams. At Alabama, that you know, they, they're probably, they probably their, their secondary is completely NFL players that are going to be gone after this season, something they've got to replace. So all the names start running together, which so do all the championships, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, look, Nick Saban's the greatest. Uh, I think he's the greatest coach in, I mean, of anything. I, besides well, Bill I, I Belichick, I, maybe. I, 
I don't know about anything, but he's definitely the best college football coach of all time. And yeah, you know, no I was question. talking with an Al- I was talking about with an Alabama um, person who does what I do, and, and they're older, and they said, "No, it's Bear. I don't want to hear that shit anymore." Bear Bryant changed college football. Nick Saban's had to deal with the ramifications of Bear Bryant's success, and Kirby has too, for the record. I mean. This is uh, what Nick Saban and everybody else is dealing with in this day and age is a college football world where um, you can't stack scholarships. There's only 85. Uh, the playing field is, generally speaking, more level than it ever has been before. I mean, if you take a look at I – mean, Well, everybody cares now. Well, it matters a lot right. in terms of, generally speaking, your your the budget of your institution. I mean, you know, Georgia's budget for athletics is one hundred thirty thousand, one hundred thirty million dollars a year. They they're giving the university millions of dollars a year for you know, you know, various things. I mean, it matters a lot more than it ever did back then. Uh, Georgia plays on television every single week now. Alabama played on TV three times a year. When was playing right, well, certainly Babe Ruth wouldn't have hit you know five hundred. It wouldn't even made it to five hundred home runs if he was playing today. Right. And John Wooden and Bear Bryant certainly were. They were ultra successful, but they would not have the same success in today's competitive market. I can assure you of that. But uh, you know, not to take anything away from people. I mean, they played when they played. They coached when they coached. But Nick well, Saban Bear, is, Bear, Bear, Bear's number two. <laughs> right, right. Still, yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what what the Patriots have done in the NFL and what Alabama's done in college football, just it it everything it it it's just it's it's really hard to talk about because it's so incredible to me. Yeah, they've they've been unbelievable, and I, I'll I'll say this: there's there's a few places that can really match up with them. I mean, I think Florida's one of them. Georgia, Texas. I don't know, I don't know if South- Florida really is. Well, Florida under Dan <clears throat> Florida under Dan Mullen is not going to challenge for national championships mm, twice in seven years or twice in five years. That won't happen. They'll be good, but they won't be where they are right now. I mean, where Georgia is right now, I don't think. I mean, I think this is. I mean, South Carolina to me looks like the team that Georgia's going to have to beat. They might not even have to beat Carolina to win the East next year, but that's who they'll have to beat out. I mean, I think if Georgia takes care of business that first real game of the season um, in Columbia, I just Fletcher. I mean, they play Austin P at South Carolina, Middle Tennessee at Missouri, Tennessee Vanderbilt at LSU, Florida at Kentucky at uh, at Kentucky, Auburn, Miss, uh, UMass, and Georgia Tech. Now, which of those games is Georgia going to be the underdog at mm-hmm. LSU? Uh, maybe. maybe I don't know uh, that one. Maybe. They, they could lose to South Carolina, Missouri on the road, I guess. No, they can't lose that game. All right, LSU. They couldn't lose could, that game. Could they lose to Tennessee? I mean, I guess in the way we're talking about it, no. But I know people listening about, to this about, think that's crazy. How about the Gators? Yeah, you can always lose that game. Okay, uh, Kentucky. Uh, I don't think that that that's a concern anymore. Auburn. Yeah, yeah, they could lose that one. Tech. No. So we're kind of. I mean, 
I'm saying they could lose to South Carolina the same way that I'm saying South Carolina could beat Alabama. You know, I mean, like it's rock, <laughs> right. It's possible in the realm of the world, but I mean, you got to go to Columbia. It's tough to play there. This, that, and the other. Um, well, let me. I, uh, I, I just doubt it. Georgia's entering that realm where, and I, of course, since I cover Kentucky, I'm going to use John Calipari. This Kentucky basketball team is not as good as it has been in the past at no, times. Definitely not. But. They're fourteen and three, just like they were last year. You know, just like they've been a couple times before. It gets to a point where there's only so many times and only so many teams that can beat Kentucky in basketball each season, and you've got to get them, especially on the road. I mean, they haven't lost a home game in the SEC since 2014. So there's it's it's only certain teams, it's only certain times, it's only certain circumstances that you can lose a game, and that's where I think Georgia's going. It's sort of the Alabama mode where. Those old Miss games that they lost or had some crazy plays in it. Or it's Johnny Manziel, who's a transcendent uh, college athlete. Or it's Deshaun Watson, who's the best player in school history. It takes those kinds of narratives and um, those kinds of efforts uh, to beat Alabama. That's certainly where Georgia's going. I will say, I, I will. It, it didn't seem like this when they played Clemson. But I do think what Kirby said is correct about Alabama. I mean, they're not unbeatable. I mean, they, you know, they, they are they are not unbeatable at all. I mean, they, they, they their best of the of the final four games they played in the season. The best game they played against was Clemson, um, right. Mississippi State. Not so great. That was a road game. That was Obviously, a bad matchup for Clemson. Though, looking back at it, how so? Well, when you don't have Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams to stretch well, they, the field, then you know. Well, I mean, guys unfortunately only get to play for three or four years at their institution. I mean, you can't. Well, that goes to speak, that speaks to, you know, no offense to uh, Jake Fromm, but um, that's continues to be sort of the blueprint unless you got Johnny Manziel running around out there. Fromm throwing the, that back shoulder catch uh, all season long. I mean, it's undefend. You can't defend that. And when Wims got hurt, it just seemed like, I don't know, if they just couldn't stretch the field. I thought that throw to Miko was beautiful, but for the most part, after Wims got hurt, it just you didn't you never felt like Georgia could really stretch the field. But I'm trying to look up how many times Alabama's lost in the past however many years. It's not a lot. Well, they've lost twice in the last two years, once to Clemson, once to Auburn. The year before that, uh, they lost to Mississippi. This is just going off the top of my head. In 2014, they might have been undefeated and then lost to Ohio State. So, you know, they've not lost a lot lately. You know, and I think, though, for the Clemsons of the world, I guess I wouldn't necessarily lump Oklahoma into this yet. But, you know, the SEC's path is tough. I mean, you're just not going to get there undefeated. I mean, we haven't had an undefeated SEC. We haven't had a team go undefeated through an entire season from the SEC since 2010 is that right yeah i don't know if it's possible i don't think it is There's too many games well you know and and the top end teams play each other you know florida plays lsu alabama tennessee georgia auburn so there's right. no there's no escaping the other side really that's why this whole sec west narrative bullshit i mean it's just it's 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 clearly the better division but Everybody plays everybody. I mean, Florida and LSU have either split or Florida has a slight advantage over them lately. Uh, Georgia obviously has dominated Auburn with the except I mean, just 
they've dominated Auburn the last decade. It's something like 10 and three or something like that. So, um, you know, Alabama, Tennessee is, is, is dominated. I mean, it's worse dominated for, for the tide, but, um, all that er- is irrelevant, uh, to the discussion moving forward. I think Jake Fromm has got to be more of a, if he plays more like he did the final three, four games of the season, than he did the first eight, then he will. Georgia's got very little to be concerned about in the passing game. I mean, he's never going to be Matthew or Jacob or or Aaron Murray with these gaudy numbers. That's just not going to happen. He only he only attempted a thirty. Uh, he only had a thirty yard attempt thirty attempt game once this season, which was the final game. So half the games in 2016, they threw for more than they they attempted more than thirty passes. So. For Jake Fromm, the question is, uh, can you be as efficient as possible? The answer sounds to me, or looks to me like yes. If you can get the run game to be what it has been in the past, or at least approaching that, and, and you should be able to. I mean, you've still got five legitimate running backs coming back into this program. Uh, the run game shouldn't be a massive issue. Uh, the offensive line looks like it will be the strength of this program moving forward. I think on the defensive line, uh, it hurts losing Trent Thompson, but they're still they've done a pretty good job of recruiting there. Generally speaking, I mean Kirby's first class will be entering its third year now, and they've got ten. Well, they should have twelve defensive linemen in the program um, next fall. Linebacker, you would think Fletcher they'd take a step back a little bit, but. Um, you know, we're going to, I think we're going to see if, if, uh, Juwan Taylor, Monty Rice, uh, can come in and play at middle linebacker on the outside. You've got your guys, DeAndre Walker, Walter Grant. I mean, even, you know, I mean, and in, in the middle and the Trez Patrick should be back. We'll see what happens there. Defensive backs, they're losing three starters. So they're going to have some, they're going to have to have some, younger guys step up. I mean, if J.R. Reed's going to continue to start, you would imagine that uh, McGee will get a look, LeCount, maybe Speed, if Gibbs gets everything squared away the way that you would like. Um, And then we'll just see what they do with the kid from South Florida, the five-star kid that they have a lot of momentum in recruiting. We'll see what happens with him. But this program, there's just not a lot of holes. I think the biggest hole, believe it or not, coming into this coming season is – you know, is Marshall Long going to be a good punter or not? And um, wow, yeah, I mean, what a, what a real what about what about something to worry about? Well, I mean, if I were Alabama, <laughs> well, I, I say this: I know, if, I were, I know. if I were Alabama, I would be figuring out where I can get a new kicker because he nearly cost him the national championship, and and stuff like that doesn't seem to matter. But then it does until when it does. It to. Yep, it totally matters when it does. All right, give me a. Uh, Give me about two minutes of recruiting here. What do the numbers look like after people that are leaving for the pros and early um, and after the early signing period? How, how many more can we expect Georgia to add in February? I, I can't ever know exactly what is happening because the football office has the numbers. But I've, I've you know covered this for a long time, and uh, I can do math. And uh, as of t- as of today, and if you read Dog Post earlier, you would uh, you would have a very good look at it. 
they are under the number, but they're not under the number by a lot. And uh, so there's going to have to be some attrition uh, along the way. And I don't like to talk about a lot of guys typically, but you have to wonder what the future is for someone like Sam Madden. I mean, he's going to go into his junior year hardly ever playing a game. You know, Natrez is still with the program, but will he stay with the program? D'Angelo Gibbs, you know, there was some curiosity there. So there are some spots where, um, you know, if you want to get to 85, if you sort of quote-unquote oversign, then you can. But coming into today, Fletcher, you had 82 guys on scholarship that were returning. Um, they, um, they Essentially, 64 guys will come back. They've got 22 guys committed to them, 20 of them signed. Two are committed still. Rashad Wild Goose is gone. So that puts you at 86, which is one over the number. So they can sign uh, one more guy, keep every single person in the program, which never happens, and be okay. But I think they'll sign at least uh, two, if not four more players. And uh, what will be curious here is, you know, that's assuming Roquan comes back. That's assuming Baker comes back and Ledbetter come back. And if those things all happen, they're going to be at 85. I think they'll sign those guys. I think there'll be a couple of guys who leave for whatever reason. But they always know what they're doing. Mark knew what he was doing. Kirby knows what he's doing. They always know what the number they, they need to get to. It's always 85 by August whatever. And um, I, don't, I don't really worry about it that much other than it giving me a, a guideline on um you know how many they'll sign each year i mean it's always a lot easier to get down to 85 than it is to get up to after yeah february's over yeah i don't endorse that behavior but i'll say i'll say this too i mean coming about it coming into the um coming into this season the the 18 season i want to make sure i get this right they have 18 seniors 20 juniors uh Sophomores is harder for me to know. I know they will have three sophomores, at least, plus Fromm and Swift and Andrew Thomas, etc. But I have to go back and recount those guys. So they'll have 23 um, redshirt freshmen or sophomores, and then they'll bring in at least uh, 20 – well, we know at least 20, but probably 24 – true freshmen of this this coming year. So right now they're at 22 for the 2018 class, like right this second. That could change by today. Um, but I think they'll sign 24, if I had to guess. So that's four more guys. Maybe five. Anybody Maybe. I need to know about? Well, there's this guy named Zamir White who is very good. <laughs> okay. And Justin Fields. and I, I think the guy to, to – there's a couple things on the recruiting front. Um, you know, I know everybody's a recruiting. Uh, everybody's a recruiting guru these days. Um, and this class, they've done a very good job already of um, getting it where they've got to go. But Tyson Campbell is a guy I would pay the closest attention to. He's from Miami, well, Fort Fort Lauderdale, five-star corner, about six three, 180 pounds. 
they have really done well in Miami this year. They've got a lot of momentum with Campbell. He's the guy that I would watch the most. Getting him would make a pretty you would think would make a pretty big impact in theory right at the beginning. I mean, D'Angelo Gibbs was a five star kid. He didn't make a ton of impact in eighteen in seventeen, but he could in these coming years. Quay Walker's committed to Alabama. Otis Reese is committed to Michigan. One of those two guys will will wind up playing for Georgia. I think Rick Sandlidge is a guy to watch from North Carolina, 131st player in the country. He's from North Carolina. Did I just say South Carolina? He's looking pretty hard at South Carolina. And then Tommy Bush is another guy um, to pay attention to, a wide receiver, top 200 player from Texas. They want him pretty bad, too. And, you know, I – I am curious to see what happens with the two kids committed to them who have been committed to them that they did not sign in December, Davis and Wathauer. Um, neither of those guys, maybe it's a grades thing. Maybe they're not committed as far as the unit, uh, the football program is concerned. I don't know. But um, this is a number one class. I mean, I, I expect them to sign Tyson Campbell. and And when they do... Let me just do the math here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten top 50 players. Uh, and that would be 11 top 100 players. Ten top 50 players. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's crazy, Fletcher. Ten top fifty players. That's just never happened. I was going to ask if that's ever happened before. Not that. No, mm-mm, that's never happened before. And you know, the other thing that's interesting too, and I wrote about this in August. This is the most talented Georgia team that they've ever had in modern recruiting history. I love how people get at me too on Twitter. They're like, "Well, shut up." I do the work. What I, are people? I, what do you mean, people getting they, at they'll say, Well, I think the XXX team was more talented. Look, okay, we can only go on. Huh? You're talking about recruiting classes or teams? Teams. This was the most recruit. This is the highest talent on a team that Georgia's ever had. Yeah, but dude, you're quantifying it with your head and numbers. They're quantifying it with their gut and heart. (laughs) I'll tell you, with what I see on the field, too, this was the most talented team. What is the hold on hold on? What is Jacob the, Eason was a backup quarterback on this team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what is this what is the team that people f- say is better? Whichever one they like the best. I, I was going to say I mean, that's, you know, I really like the 2004 team. They really was good. Well, their offensive line was not very good. I really like the 2017. Where does this person live that has this accent? I mean, I would say near LJ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people know where LJ is, but they should. <laughs> that made you laugh. I know that. No, I. You know, quant- you got to quantify it somehow, and we quantify it with you know numbers. Um, and for for all things being equal, which is all you can go on in recruiting, is you know um, this is this is the most gifted class they've ever had, which didn't seem possible considering last year was the most gifted class they'd ever signed. Well, what if, uh, is there a way to maybe balance the, is there a way to build in um, experience and um, 
Because if you, if you have like a bunch of five stars that are freshmen, maybe that shouldn't count as much as a... That, 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 that was the only, and when I wrote about this earlier in the year, that was the only concern was that they were young. Right. They were young at, at important spots, which was quarterback where they got even younger and on certain spots on the offensive line. I mean, you got to think about it, man. They played this season with their entire right-hand side of their offensive line were freshmen. Right. So, I mean, basically they had three first-year players on their offensive line, and they played in the national championship game, including Kendall Baker as a first-year player. Uh, first-year starter, certainly. So, um, and by the way, I think Kendall Baker is like example number one of development. I mean, Kendall Baker was not good coming out of high school. Not, not, not when I saw him play. With Tucker and then whipped his You're ass. I'm saying that because he played at Marist. No, I mean Marist has a special place in hell. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> but he did. He wasn't very good. He was getting lost in the shuffle at Georgia. And, I mean, he's obviously a smart guy. Uh, Maris doesn't produce a lot of dummies. But to come in and, and snatch that, um, he, he wasn't on a top 300 player. He's one of the few guys. He is the only guy starting on the offensive line who was not a three-star, who was not a top 300 player. I mean, you got Wynn, Galliard, Cleveland, and Thomas. Those guys were all uh, – Top 300 players, at least. Baker's the only one who wasn't. He's one of the few. He's. I think he might be the only guy outside of a fullback who was not a top 300 player starting on offense. Now, on defense, you had a few guys in the secondary who were not top 300 players, yes. Well, I think you know what time it is. You tell me. I got a few rapid-fire questions for you. You got to pick. One or the other. Here we go. You ready? I am ready. All right. Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt? Tom Cruise. Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, I, I want people to, to not you know freak out here. Bruce Springsteen, a little, the, the fans are a little annoying. Billy Joel is better than Bruce Springsteen. Pat Benatar or mm. Debbie Gibson? I believe it's Deborah Gibson now. Um, I'd say Debbie. What about if you could have the entire cast of Bangles or Debbie Gibson? What do you mean have? The, the, for a, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, as your answer, uh, you're just going out to dinner and people. First get, of all, the, the first of all, hazy shade of winter. Is is probably one of the best um, redo songs. I mean, that's an old Simon and Garfunkel song, um, but the way the Bangles do it is much better. The Bangles are I, dope, man. I would take the Bangles over Debbie Gibson. I mean, Debbie Gibson, "Shake Your Love," it's a good song. "Lost in Your Eyes" is probably her best song, but. Um, Debbie Gibson was okay. Deborah Gibson, on the other hand, so a was bit out there. Was very nice. Mm -hmm. Okay, Dixie Chicks or Heart? Uh, I'm gonna go Dixie Chicks. I like that. That's a tough one. 
Dixie Dix- Chicks vastly underrated. Could you imagine if Dixie Chicks in the world of, in the in the in the era of Trump? Oh my God! And they well, were just they were just fighting it out with George W. supporters. That's not at all like like today. You know, I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not really trying to choose the Dixie Chicks, but like if you could, if you had to like be on a deserted island and you could only have the top five songs from a band or singer, Dixie Chicks have a strong top five. They have a oh, strong top yeah. ten. No, they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Earl had to die. I Cal- didn't like that one as much, but yeah, whatever. That's a great video. I'll say that. All right, you're in a gas station. Are you going to get a candy bar or chips? Yes. Okay, which candy bar? <clears throat> I would say that Snickers is the best candy bar, generally speaking. Damn, dude. But this is 1970? No, 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 no. It's not 1970, but here's my issue with Snickers is that I ate them a lot in college. I got a little bit plump. <laughs> so I, I try to stay away from Snickers, or as my grandmother would call it, Snicker bars. Um, I need to do a podcast about your grandmother. Oh, both of them. Good Lord. Um, I, I would say uh, I would definitely get candy, not chips. Um, do you I would eat get, chips? I do. I can. My daughter sort of makes me sometimes. Um, but I would, I would get candy. I think the standard, if you want something that's really pretty good, white Kit Kat bars are vastly underrated. They are very good. That's not bad. I freeze Kit Kats when I was a little kid. Yeah. I used to freeze Oh, them. yeah. All right. You have to put on a stand-up show for your best friends at a bachelor party. Mm. You're going to go with George Carlin or Dave Chappelle? Dave Chappelle. All right, that's all I got for you today. George George Carlin is a little too intellectual for my friends, I have to say. That's a good point. Wait, Dave, Dave Chappelle, on the other hand. I don't know. Not, Dave's, get, Dave's, Dave's last few yeah, specials on Netflix were amazing. Dave, Dave Chappelle um, with Ashy Larry and uh, the Dice Game, World Series of, of, of uh, uh, Craps, I guess. Not Yeah, I guess it was. That is one of the all-time best ones. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is, is hilarious. I mean, he is he is as good as it gets in comedy these days. You need to I, watch. I, his, you need to watch what he's put on Netflix. I wish I I wish I had time, bro. I got Sesame Street and you're out here counting uh, the recruiting stars on the 2002 uh, Georgia Bulldogs SEC championship team. You don't have time to listen to Dave Chappelle. All right, now I get my couple minutes of basketball. Now we're going to talk basketball, okay? Yeah, because I am appalled with the Georgia Bulldogs basketball team after uh, giving them credit. After, you know what, man? After hey, I pulled off a really success. Uh, this is something I need people to know that I did. I pulled off a very successful move in December, a very nuanced move, where oh. I told people that Georgia could could beat Kentucky and Rupp, and I initially picked them, but then I backed off that pick. And the, my whole stance, all of my stances, were vindicated in the way that that game played out because Georgia should have won that game in Rupp, and then they Georgia'd out of it and lost it. <laughs> Georgia'd out so, of it. But they righted the ship. Things were fine. Everything's on track. 
I just I cannot believe what happened. I was able to watch the final ten minutes or so of that South Carolina loss. It's at home. It's against uh-huh. a team that has a losing record in the conference. It's against a team that is not going to make the NCAA tournament. Here's what made me so upset about it, because you can lose a game or two, all right? You can drop a game you shouldn't, whatever. You don't lose games when the team you're playing and you're on your home court shoots 27%. There's no way you can lose that game. We're really, you know, I know you want to rant about this. But That's all I, want, I got to say. I, I want to get, well, I want to get to the 40,000-foot view of this thing here. I'm just saying that South Look, Carolina made – 16 shots in that game. They scored 32 points, or a little roughly 32 points off of made baskets. They won the game on the road. South Carolina went to the Final Four last year. That's great. It's awesome and everything. Clemson is easily the best basketball team in in South Carolina. Not even close. Well, they're about to get the best basketball recruit in South Carolina, too. that's 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 what you say. They uh, they are very that basketball team is good. Clemson's basketball team is good. With that said, that's with Brad Brownell as their coach. I gotta say that until that South Carolina loss, I just assumed Georgia would go to the tournament. I assumed we you would assume just assume that. I, I I thought we were trucking along here. I asked the question heading into December. I said and into, into Christmas. Is this program turning the corner? It is in recruiting, which eventually will mean it will on the floor. Bro, if they don't get to the tournament this year, you got to have a very serious question about what the future is. Because they cannot get to the tournament with a lot of people. They have one of the best players in the country on their team. I know. I mean, Deontay Maiden, it's going to be a shame if 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 he's got to play in NIT again to finish his career. It's not looking real good right now, man. Now, the, the only thing I'll say is you're playing in the SEC, which is actually a good thing for once. You've got the ability to um, you've got the ability to collect some wins over some teams. You play the Gators twice. You play Auburn twice. You've got Tennessee twice. Now, that if to me looks like six losses, though. Well, if you're a, if you're a tournament team, you win at least two or three of those games, and then you're fine. And then you're fine. And then there's, you know, I'm just saying it's time to, to, to make a move here. And you've got – you can't lose some of these games. This is not a good South Carolina team. And, and if – I would put it to you this way. Occasionally you have dumb losses because you're playing 30 games a season. Right, yeah, yeah. This was a dumb loss. But on top of that and even more than that, there's. This is not the first time they played that way. The, I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned, like legit, because there's a lot of things that are going on here that haven't gone on in the past. Number one, Georgia just played for a national championship in football. That hasn't happened in 35 years. The you know, this a lot of people might not think this matters, but you look at gymnastics. They're trying to win national championships all of a sudden again. This is about this is about national championships at Georgia, and 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 look at women's basketball. They've lost twice the whole year. They just thumped a And M, a ranked team, on the road. I mean, th- you look at tennis, top five team. I don't know what's going on with softball, but they're never bad. 
men's basketball can't be the well. They don't have any tradition. Nobody. Wait, is this, Ellie, is this uh, no? This guy's from hey Richard Hira. from LJ. <laughs> yeah, no, no. This is Don from Hayhira, and Don Don's kind of over it. He don't really watch basketball because it reminds him too much of street ball. He wants to see fundamentals. He wants to they, see the guys that try used to try real hard. Look, <laughs> Danny Carmichael. Look, uh, wow. They got they got to start winning. And and that's just all there is to it. I mean, they, I guess they should have lost to Missouri, but they played well enough in the first half to win that game. There's just no. Um, it's time, and and I and I, I got to say, if they don't get to the tournament, I believe it is time to move on from Mark Fox. I'm not sure what you're waiting on. I think it's time to either blow the whole thing up. I mean, Hayes has pr- proved J- J- uh, Jonas Hayes has shown that he can recruit. If you want to give it to him, but. You know, now, this, Jonas is in prime Bobo position. He's got to go be a head coach somewhere else he first. I think I think anyone on this staff that wants to leave and go somewhere else, I get it. But right now, this Georgia program it needs to win, and what it needs to do is recruit about five years ago in order to win. And those those days are gone, as as uh, as either Dave Matthews or Ten Thousand Maniacs said. I mean, it's, it's done. Well, you watched the whole game, right? Yeah. Oh, why? Yeah. Why are they having such issues to score? I mean, I understand that Yante Turtle, Turtle, Turtle is a point guard who now thinks that he should be shooting these shots. Offensively, they're not very crisp. Like as a whole, or they just got. Yeah, some- I mean, whereas in, in late December they played really well. Like we've, I've seen them now play two, for lack of a term. Sh- what did the president call it? Shithole. Yeah, shithole countries. I'm going to go with the wire. I've seen Georgia play two shitbird games this year. Actually, I've seen them play about four, and they've lost two of them. One was a shitbird game against UMass, and then there was this shitbird game against South Carolina. They've played other games where you're like, eh, you know. But those two were bad, and I think the game against USC Upstate was not very good. San Diego was not very good. But the game against South Carolina and the game against UMass – there's not going to be any wondering why Georgia didn't get to the tournament. Because if they just split from here on out and go 18 and 12, the reason why they're not 20 and 10 is because of the South Carolina loss and the game. You can't, you know, and those games totally matter. Every single game matters. When they were playing against Temple, I thought they it, it looked like, wait a second, these guys are turning the damn corner. Then they play Kentucky tough and lose. But they played them well, and then they thump Alabama. There's too much up and down here. And, I, I mean, I don't feel sorry for Mark. I think he's an adequate coach. I think he's done a good job, generally speaking, getting Georgia out of this, the wilderness of stupidity that it had been in. But we're 10 years into this now. We're nine years, 10 years, whatever it is. It's time to go. It's go time. And they, they got to win. I mean, if we're, if we're eight years from now and Kirby hadn't done anything, uh, shit, it won't even be eight years. If we're five years from now – we don't see the same sort of seasons as we've seen here this last year. I mean, people are going to be saying the same thing, and I would be too. And I think Kirby might be. Yeah, but Not see, the- Kirby's tournament is only two games, and he already has more wins in the tournament than Mark Fox has. So okay, Kirby's already done something. And I ain't counting the NIT. He's won the league. I mean, winning the SEC in football matters. Yes, yeah, uh, I mean, that's not even a – that's a – Oh boy, that's tough. It's going to be tough at the Christmas party next year. 
Mark's still around. I got all these winners in the room. All right, I got to go to John Calipari Presser so he can tell us how stupid the media is again. Oh, it's so it's so old. Ask him how he gets paid so much money. He's really good at what he does. Did you hear about that? I'll tell no, you that. he gets paid because of these crazy rights fees that Kentucky collects for media oh, from the media. That's right. No, Jeez. what I wanted to say to the guy is. Uh, he tried to be in the media with his podcast, and he gave it up because he's so bad at it. But whatever. Was it really that bad? It was pretty bad. I mean, he talked too much. He talked over. Well, <laughs> I'm on a podcast now with you, and I know what it's like to be on a podcast with somebody that talks over you, talks too much. But uh, well, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Now, did you, uh, hear, did you hear about what Cal said? No. Well, he did. So there's like, there's legit maybe forty people 50 people in post-game pressers at kentucky because there's like 10 to 15 tv cameras and then there's 10 to 15 legitimate media reporters there and then there's maybe 20 kentucky fans that have credentials somehow <laughs> and that happens at georgia it's, too it's awesome i it really makes some people mad i don't really care but uh, you know, however you can get whatever talking, your uh, the, the journalists among us, amongst us. Oh yeah, it really Rah. makes me so mad whenever journalism. I'm, I <laughs> I cover sports. Rah. Whenever I'm eating my free meal and my <laughs> drinking like my tenth diet Pepsi, get to go to California for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Cal does this stupid thing sometimes where he'll ask these basketball questions, and I'll be honest, for the most part, I usually know what he's talking about. But it's kind of I think it's like a, a nervous tick or something that he does where he'll say like ah, it's just weird because here's the problem with him asking me questions. Here's what we need from a coach and a presser. I need his words so I can write a story. If the coach asks me if they were switching screens like against pick and rolls, I can't use my words in this story. I need him to say that. So whenever Cal goes into that mode, I'm like automatically pissed off because he usually will start a great quote and then he'll just stop mid-sentence and either ask a question of the media, which is going to not work in my story, or he'll like warp to a new topic and completely ruin the chance you're going to use this quote. People might not care about this, but it's something I have to fight on a daily basis, all right? So he just asked us, he said, you know, which, which player catches the basketball where they need to? What kind of a what kind of a question is that? Which player? Apparently, there was only one player in the entire game, according to this question, the way he asked it, that was catching the basketball where they needed to. I, the original question was about breaking the press. So I don't know. None of us know if he's talking about just in regular offense or just hanging out. At, at I mean, practice. if they're not catching it where they need to, it sounds like somebody needs to get on his coaching. Microphone. Well, I know, get... but I'm like, what? How are we supposed to answer that? I can think of like a million instances where every. But what does player... he mean? Like catching it on their body or I catching? Think, yeah, I know well, that's I... what I'm saying. I don't know, but apparently the answer was PJ Washington, and it was a really funny moment because one guy did say PJ, and then Cal goes, "That's right, he knew it," and none of the rest of you spoke up because none of the rest of you know shit. And I mean, it was just like, it was so funny to me, but a lot of people got upset about it. I mean, you, you mean, you mean the coach of the premier basketball country, uh, basketball program in the country knows more than the people that cover that program. 
You mean to tell me that that's possible? I know. It's that's wild. hard to believe. But this is a week after he said jag off in a press conference. <laughs> which I've learned something here. <laughs> I thought I can't, jag off. I can't, wait for, I can't wait for that one from Kirby or Mark Fox. I, I thought jag off meant something that it didn't. Because I used that term when I was a little kid. I'm sorry. What does it mean? Uh, I think it means what you thought it was. No, it doesn't. Okay, so I thought it meant something up in Towns County on the elementary playground. We used to say things like that. Jagoff is it's it was it was created in Pittsburgh, and it's a term of endearment. It's what you nah. just call your friend. It is not what you think it is. No, nah, dog. It, that's Google not it. what it is. No, <laughs> Google it, dude. I, it's not what you. I don't want to. I don't want to explain to you what it means. But I, what you thought it means is what it means. And you're pretty good at that, from what you've said in the past. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a lot of practice. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, so, this is going downhill pretty quick. It has, but so Cal, so now there's people have printed shirts that's got like Calipari's face on it that says "Media don't know shit," and uh, but every, th- that guy, man, I'm telling you, Cal. Every presser I go into, I'm, I've got a file ready to publish. I've typed up as much as I can going in because that guy, he's just, he just creates a, a story out of nowhere, which I think is the point. Next week, you're going to join us on the roundtable again. People want new people want new people on here, man. I, think can we, I don't think that they like me. Can we get somebody else on? Nope, you guys are stuck with me. Sorry. What about what about Caitlin Stroh no, or no, no, no. Um, you know? We need to get like David. You know, we need David Hill. We really should get David Hill on here. Honestly, David can three of us be on here at once? David yeah, Hill, Josh Kendall, Carter Strickland. David Chain. No, here's who I want. We need to get Eli Gold. That Ooh. would really validate us as podcasters. That guy broadcasted Alabama and, and Talladega races. All right. Eli Gold. Put him on the list. All right. Join us next week when we try to get Glenn Hubbard, former Atlanta Braves player, uh, on the podcast. I probably could get Glenn Hubbard on this thing, believe it or not. You think that would that matter? That's good talking to you, Dean. I'm glad you got to hear my voice again. That is all. Goodbye.